0: Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast for a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have author John Sunman. This is Technotopia. Did you know that 43% of college graduates are underemployed working jobs that don't even require a college degree? Imagine if one of the most significant investments of your life, your college degree, only worked half the time. A refund is the least you'd expect. Flatiron School is doing something about this. With courses in software engineering, data science, and UX UI design, Flatiron School stands behind its students with a tuition money-back guarantee. Flatiron graduates enter into a career services program with career coaches and ongoing learning. Students who follow every step of the plan and don't get a qualifying tech job offer within six months of graduating are eligible for a full tuition refund. Complete details at flatironschool.com terms. Graduates working at hundreds of leading tech companies. The Flatiron School program is working. Full and part-time programs are available online and at Flatiron School campuses around the world. Join the school that's reinventing education, starting with student outcomes. Learn more at flatironschool.com/slash-technotopia. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show we have John Sunman. He's a writer. A thinker and a national treasure, I believe. I called you once, John. At oh. least
1: once, John. I appreciate it. <laughs> Welcome back to the show.
0: So <laughs> oh, you're, well. you're, you're the first, you're the first, second, you're the first two-time, two-time uh, show recipient here.
1: Well, I'm very honored.
0: I know. So, as you as you recall, John, uh, you write about uh, you write about biotechnology. You have a few books out. Why don't you tell us what you're working on and what you have worked on?
1: Okay. Well, I, I've, I've worked, um, as a novelist, I have, uh, four novels out starting with my first one, uh, Acts of the apostles about 20 years ago, uh, about a Silicon Valley cult, uh, of, uh, brain hacking, uh, technologists. And I write uh, mostly about the convergence of biological and digital technologies. Uh, I do have a background as a technical writer in Silicon Valley and elsewhere working for computer companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, so as a writer of nonfiction and technical stuff, I write about anything mostly science-related or software, hardware-related. Um, and as a novelist, I've, I've got a new book coming out, which is a prequel to my first novel. And uh, I hope the timing is fortuitous or appropriate. It's 20 years since I wrote the first book, and the, the new book is set 20 years before the first book it's about the most of the uh, main characters and acts of the apostles when they are teenagers mm-hmm.
0: so but it's it's not going to be like a young adult it's basically a uh... that's right it's <laughs> right I, you
1: know i don't I, I don't even know how to how to think about that topic uh, i was talking to a friend of mine who's a literary agent uh, saying you know um yes. I didn't set out to write a young adult book, but m- most of the characters are teenagers. What does that make? And he said, "I don't know. Don't worry about classifications. Just, <laughs> just write the best book you can, and you know, put it out there." So.
0: Okay. So this is this is something that's interesting. How do you write speculative fiction when, uh, I mean, the present is changing so so rapidly?
1: Well, in this case, in this case, I dodged that bullet. Um, because that's a good question. I don't have a good answer for it, but, but this book is set in a very real particular time and place, which is the 1970s in California. So, uh, there's very little science fiction in this new book. It, it kind of sets the stage for the science fiction that appears in, in Acts of the Apostles. But, but yeah, it's hard to keep up with, with, um, it's hard to, to anticipate things when the, the reality of, of, uh we're living in like a science fiction world now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people have been talking about genetic engineering and and speculative fiction. They've been talking about it for 50 years or or more, but now it's really happening, you know, and and it it seems like despite the best efforts of of forward-thinking people, we're still not really prepared for some of the implications of it, I think.
0: What do you think are the implications? I mean, you're we're we're seeing a lot of stuff, but it's all it's all behind the scenes, right? It feel it doesn't feel like it's right in front of us just yet.
1: Yeah, well, you know, every once in a while there'll be some kind of spectacular story that that breaks through to the front pages. Like there was a story a few months ago about a, a Chinese scientist who claimed he had edited uh, some the DNA of some human embryos, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like uh, a, a, an, an ethical red line, yeah, even for. China, which tends to play loosey-goosey with a lot of stuff, um, and and it came out later that it wasn't clear that he had actually done it, that his story was a little bit suspect, and then it also came out that he was under apparent house arrest at his university in China, mm-hmm. which just points up that, that uh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if he had had the, the acid uh, backing of his government when he when he did this work, and then once a shitstorm erupted, you know, they, they said, okay, no, he's, he's out of line. He's, he's, he's gone rogue. We have to rein him in. Or
0: maybe he was just rogue to begin with. I mean, there's no actual proof that this thing happened, right?
1: That's right. I mean, I haven't followed the story too closely. Um, but, but so let me just step back a minute. I mean, the, the scientists who work in this area every day say that, that, uh, that fears are overblown. That it's difficult technology, um, and, and you know, right now, to do anything uh, scary or dangerous with. But yet, real breakthroughs are being made on uh, medical fronts and on food engineering fronts and on crop uh, resilience fronts. So, really, good stuff is happening, um, and the dangerous stuff is kind of lurking in the background, but it's not here yet. On the other hand, people who specialize in biosafety, biosecurity. And uh, areas like that they're very concerned that uh-huh. that uh, these these uh, technologies are basically uncontrollable so it's going to be it's I predict it's going to be wacky um, over the next fifteen years uh-huh. i I hope that um, this technology is all used to further the uh, uh to create good things. I mean, Lord knows if anything we can do to help with the climate crisis is all to the good. You know, if we can engineer plants that suck carbon out of the uh, out of the atmosphere faster than they do already, I mean, I'm all for it. Um, so, or, or again, yeah, I mean, it. that's
0: that's an interesting point. Like the the idea that the idea that yeah, we do want a plant that can suck carbon out of the atmosphere. Or we do want a uh, we do want a animal that can or a, bio, a biological thing that can eat uh plastic. Right? Right? But what yep. is the what do we get when we get that when we get that trick? And I think the thus far technology has kind of said, "Hey, you get uh you get addicted to your smartphone if you have constantly constantly mobile kids or yep. you get fat if you have constantly on TV and and high fructose corn syrup." But is this that, or is this, uh, or is this something a lot worse?
1: Well, I don't know if it's worse, but I think it's more transformative. I mean, um, the, the questions that are, are being raised now are, are even more profound. I mean, when you think about eugenics and uh, um, um, all that comes along with that whole can of worms, and people are talking about eugenics. I mean, it's not hard to find people on the Internet who are saying, yeah, I'm ready for CRISPR. I'm, I I want to edit my kids. Why shouldn't I want my children to have superior vision and hearing and uh, longevity and so forth? Um, and so, you know, as soon as you get into the, that kind of area, um, you know, we all know what kind of doors that opens. And and, and similarly, uh, if, if you get. um uh, A bad guy. And, you know, I I write thrillers and thrillers Mm -hmm. are always about bad guys. You know, nobody wants to read about a, you know, a happy, uh, you know, mentally stable guy who goes to his job and does good stuff all day long and then dies in a happy marriage. Um, You know, so it's not too hard to imagine uh, a bad guy. Just like, you know, take take nuclear technology, right? Mm -hmm. You can do all kinds of great things with nuclear technology. But you can also create bombs that blow up whole cities and kill, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people. But building a bomb is hard to do. Mm -hmm. But but if you had that technology so that a single person could could create a biological bomb with that kind of devastating effect, then that would be really scary. And so you know, I'm not saying that anybody has that capability now, or maybe they'll never have it, but but that's that's the, the kind of the 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 specter that's looming. You well, that's, know?
0: that's an interesting point. So you're basically saying, so say like um, if a group of people can make a nuclear bomb, that's good because presumably there's checks and balances associated with that group. But if one single person can can uh, can make it and carry it around, that's another issue. Is that, is yeah, that, the, sure. is that what we're thinking here?
1: Right now, here? I think it's pretty still the case. I mean, all these years after the Manhattan Project, it's still the case that you have to be on the order of a nation state mm-hmm. like North Korea to be able to pull off a credible nuclear weapons program, you know, you have to have the centrifuges and the heavy water and the source of your uh, fissile material and, and all that stuff, which you really can't do if you're just a, a gang of terrorists, you know, but, but if you had, you know, 15 or 20 bright scientists, uh, working, um, to do something nasty, I mean, look what, look what uh, people who engineer addicting drugs do. Mm-hmm. You know, fentanyl or whatever. I mean, these are obviously monsters, in my opinion. People who who will uh, concoct uh, unimaginably addicting drugs that kill people almost inevitably. Um, but you know, they they do it for whatever reasons. Money to make money is one of them, and maybe just to to be evil. I don't know. I don't know what causes some people to engineer fentanyl and. And mix it with heroin and sell it to people. Well, I mean just...
0: that's 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 an interesting point. You're saying like uh, we don't need we don't need a well actually you kind of do because the there was a there was a recent uh, piece about uh, dis- designer drugs which aren't even designer yeah. they're basically just they're just basically taken from uh, from public uh, scientific research that says this one is slightly similar to cannabis but it does X Y and Z which is a lot worse than cannabis. Yeah and yeah,
1: and then you engineer it in your in your small lab, and mm-hmm. you and you and you distribute it. And so, you know, if you had, you know, unless, if you want to go into like you know Michael Crichton territory, yeah. Jurassic Park territory, you have a guy who engineers some kind of, and this is a, very similar to the plot of my first novel, as you know, some guy who engineers a uh, a, a, a CRISPR-based genetic editing weapon that only attacks people who have genes that indicate they're jewish or something Mm -hmm. like that you know the 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 tay sachs gene or whatever so you it finds those people and kills them i mean that stuff is is not as far-fetched as it used to be you know it's it's still far-fetched now but maybe it won't be 10 years from now Mm -hmm. so so i think those are the uh those are the the questions that are i think a little bit more more profound than just uh uh, getting addicted to smartphones because the you know it, they, the 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 jolt that you get the the serotonin response that you get from seeing a tweet liked or something, uh, you know, gets you quote addicted unquote to it. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that the things that address uh, the nature of of what it means to be human, for example, uh, are are a little bit deeper than than that. And also, I think that it's really scary and frustrating to me how even among educated people, the magnitude of the climate crisis is underestimated,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? And so I think really, really big and bad things are potentially imminent. So, you know, I think, I think
0: that. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty, that's pretty deeply, (laughs) deeply pessimistic. So (laughs) what, so what do you think, how do you think this ends? I mean, you live on Martha's Vineyard, right? So you're, you're about to go underwater. Yeah,
1: I know. well, You know, well, for, for a few years, maybe that my, mm-hmm. my house will be uh, we're a little bit inland, so maybe we'll get uh, closer to the water. I don't know. No, um, so I, I I'm a little bit encouraged by the recent election of all uh, uh, the young people and, and women and people from underrepresented groups to the Congress and. You know, United States right now is taking a very retrograde position on the world stage in almost every area. Mm-hmm. And if we can change that around so that we become uh, peers with our, uh, you know, fellow nations and maybe assume some kind of position of leadership again, maybe um, we can put our scientific uh, and cultural resources to bear on this problem. And, you know, it's still not. It's still not hopeless, but but uh, you know when you have uh, a majority of the U.S. Senate rejecting the very idea of science, that's just not a a a, uh, a prescription for much progress. But on the other hand, that used to be the case of the House, and it's not anymore. So if the House can change, maybe the Senate can change, and maybe we can mm-hmm. get a handle on it. Well, so thought... I'm not totally pessimistic. It's just saying if we, if we keep going on the road, we're going. We're totally fucked.
0: Have you you seen a, have you seen a, a precedent to this? And I guess, politically you're a little bit older than me, but I'm sure, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've seen a few more presidents than I have, but what's the, is there anything that, uh, is there anything that's, that's, that, that we can say, Oh, this happened before and it's not, and it got, it got fixed. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like I, I, think I said during our, our last conversation, John, you know, if you, if you were in, in Vietnam, if you were you know a Vietnam, vietnamese villager in 1968 and b52s mm-hmm. were dropping bombs on you um it pretty much looked like the end of the world and it was or if you were in in dresden in 1945 um uh, you know so the end, end of the world scenarios have happened before i think the one that most people are familiar with is world war 2 i mean the the holocaust um You know, the Nazis nearly won. I mean, it was it was a near thing, you know, so so certainly there have and that who knows where the world would be today if they Mm -hmm. had won. you know, but but um, so certainly humanity has faced deep, deep crises before, Uh, you know, the Black Plague uh, killed 40 percent of the population of Europe, I think, or something like Mm -hmm. that, or maybe more. But they didn't have science. They didn't have a way to understand what was really going on. But but, uh, but we do now. So, no, I, I don't know. Um, I think that, that, uh, uh nature doesn't care that the facts don't care whether people believe in climate change or not. It's, it's real. And, uh, and I think that the migrations out of Syria and out of Africa and out of Central America, can be partially attributed to climate, the climate crisis and you know droughts that are coming and crops that are failing and so forth, so I mean there's very complex political, social, whatever reasons, but the climate change is also a factor. Mm-hmm. you know when you can't grow food, you leave you go it's like you know like they left the Dust Bowl in the 1930s in America. You know, when there's when there's nothing but dust to eat, you go someplace else and try to find food. So um, I think we're seeing the beginnings of climate migration, and um, no wall along the border is going to stop it. You know, so Hmm. it'll be it'll be it'll be. I don't know. I'm rambling on, but no, no, that's fine. uh, No, I think
0: it's uh, I think it's fascinating. See, all these are all these are um, important points. I think. Yeah, I think they all tied together. Yeah. I mean, I think the I think the the important thing to consider is that we do have we we don't know what's coming, and what, one of the benefits of being a uh, one of the one of the benefits of being a uh, science sci-fi writer is that you can think about that. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, it feels like it feels like there's so much so much the science sci-fi right now is going to be basically uh, <clears throat> is going to be basically pessimistic because because it's dystopian. Is there is there any is there any benefit to thinking in a dystopian
1: way uh, as a sci-fi writer in a, in weird times? Well, you know I've been thinking about this somewhat. Some people, most prominently uh, Neil Stevenson, people who write speculative fiction, mm-hmm. have made a, a, a call for positive vision as science fiction. They'd forget the dystopia; and nobody needs it, nobody wants it. Um, or it's not helpful in any way. And so try to find a, a way to create a literature of the future a forward-looking lit- literature that's still interesting and not Pollyanna, uh, silly, uh, but hopeful. And, uh, I think that's an interesting point. And I, I, you know, I said before that I don't believe in polemical literature, you know, uh, uh books that are trying to convince you of an argument. I just believe in 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 literature and art that portrays the reality and uh, p- asks pertinent questions either explicitly or implicitly. But I'm I'm rethinking that. But I I think I, think I might have told you my my older daughter who is now in her uh mid 30s or late 30s when she was in high school um she led a little rebellion in her honors English class mm-hmm. and she said um we're not going to read any more dystopian books. She said, mm-hmm. we know, we know uh, we've read the book where the dog dies and the one where the kid gets cancer and the one about the alcoholic, useless parents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we get it. We get the point. Everything sucks. But that doesn't mean we're going to read your stupid books anymore. Mm-hmm. So she, she organized a boycott of, of her students. They no, we're not going to read any of this dystopian, unhappy shit. Give us books that are, you know, with a, something that we can enjoy. And they changed the syllabus. So and then, and then she added, listen, if I wanted to read that dystopian crap, i just read my dad's books. So, <laughs> so that kind of put me in my place. All right. But, but anyway, so no, I, I think it's an, interesting, it's an interesting question. I, You know, as, as a novelist, you know, you've heard this from lots of other novelists. You know, you have an idea, but the story kind of goes where it wants to go. I mean it's a cliche but in my case I found that it's true. I've heard it from lots of other writers. You think you're going to write one story and what comes out of your fingertips turns to be going out in another direction. So I don't set out to write books that are utopian or dystopian. I just write out to write a story about my characters and mm-hmm. then we see where the story goes, you know? Interesting.
0: What's uh, when, when's the new when's the next book coming out?
1: Oh well, John, you've heard me saying it's coming out two months from now for the last five years. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it, 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 it it'll be coming out in the spring. Matter okay. of fact, i I just had a discussion with a publisher. I was in Manhattan two days ago, and I think I've got an exciting deal that I'll be able to announce soon. All right, very so, good. So so I'm I'm very I'm very positive about it. And they just and go over is, to they go over to wet machine to find out your news, right? Well, go over, yeah, go over to johnsunman.com. Okay. And, uh, your wet machine is my old website. It's still around, but it's a little bit bent in the doldrums, but johnsonman.com is a little bit more up to date and I hope people will sign up for my newsletter there. You can get a free copy of my novel, bio digital free for download, just for signing up for my newsletter. So I think that's a pretty sweet deal, you know, a whole novel. (laughs) So just, just for listening to this podcast, actually. Just for listening to this podcast. Absolutely. com. sign up for the newsletter, get a copy of bio digital.
0: All right. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that we're that we're both wrong in terms of the cynicism of the uh, of the age cuz I mean, look, the dust bowl ended with what? Hollywood essentially. Yep. Yep. And dust bowl ended with Silicon Valley. Uh,
1: so yeah, yeah, and the Nazis were beat, you yeah. know. I never thought they'd come back from the fucking grave, but they they they're trying to make, it. but they were <laughs> beat before, you know. And so we can beat them again.
0: All right. Yeah. There we go. John Sunman, thank you for joining us again. Oh, thank you, John. All right. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Funcorp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. Technotopia is also sponsored by JWalk. JWalk is a new app that pays you to walk. You can try it out at JWalk.me. It's created by me, John Biggs, and a few of my friends. JWalk.me, please check it out.